Um, and he said, no, 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 it's completely the opposite. I want you swimming in a pool. I want you swimming with the pace clock. I want you on times the whole time. Hmm. Because people who swim open water all the time, they get really lethargic and they just drop into this sort of zombie zone. Um, and the art of marathon swimming is about maintaining pace. Welcome to the Effortless Swimming Podcast, the show that helps swimmers and triathletes love the water, become a better swimmer, and live a better life. Here's your host, Brenton Ford. Welcome to episode number 171 of the Effortless Swimming Podcast. My guest today is the man himself, John Hancock, who's the most recent person to uh, successfully complete uh, the Lake Taupo swim. So, John, first of all, congratulations and welcome. Oh, cheers, Brent. So, um, for those that uh, that haven't heard of Lake Taupo and the the swim that you've done, um, can you give a, a few details on what it is that you did last weekend? Um, yeah, so uh, uh, Topor is the is the lake in the centre of the North Island of New Zealand. So if you look at um, look at a map of New Zealand, um, the North Island looks like a bagel, and it's got a big hole in the middle, and it's the caldera of an extinct, extremely large volcano, um, which is uh, it's about forty kilometres in diameter. So the swim is the is the longest axis of the lake. So it goes from the bottom sort of left hand corner to the top right hand corner, which is Topor Township. Um, yeah, it's sort of holiday resort. And it's a, it's a freshwater swim um, around, was it 21, 22 degrees for you? you did it yeah that's right so the lake's fresh water and um i think when i did it it was just just under 20 degrees according to the you know monitoring thing but um i mean obviously it varies in different parts of the lake um but but pretty warm really it's the end of the new zealand summer so the the lakes sort of warm up very slowly through the summer so even though the air's starting to cool down a bit the lakes are still holding their temperature for another another three or four weeks and uh, in terms of the swim, this is, uh, we've had a uh, friend of yours, Vicky Tate, on the podcast as well, who um, did the swim oh, it's probably two years ago now. Every time's a little bit blurred, but um, it's, a, it's a, an amazing location. And um, I'm guessing that, that swim and uh, the Cook Strait are sort of two of the, the main long distance swims that you can do in New Zealand there. And yeah. um, when was it that you decided to do the swim and to, to train for it? And how long was that preparation for you? Um, well, I mean, I got the idea from Vicky, actually. Um, so uh, I looked her up for you, Brent. So she was episode 116 in June 2018. That's when you interviewed her. Um, oh, so wow. They, so nearly three, three years ago. Three years ago. That's incredible, yeah. huh? Um, and I mean, Vicky's a really inspiring person because she hasn't got a background as a competitive swimmer. So she got into Mm. it as an adult, having got very injured playing football. Um, and yet, you know, this is an amazing, uh, achievement. So it's sort of been at the back of my mind. And then last summer, um, so uh, February 2020, I crewed for a couple of friends of mine and they did a, a tandem swim on the lake. So this is extremely unusual. So you, it takes two people who know each other very, very well and can swim at exactly the same pace. So they, they did this tandem crossing and they swam stroke for stroke for 14 hours <laughs> across the lake. Yeah, so I was one of the feeders for that. Um, and it was pretty, uh, you know, pretty inspiring, really. And I thought, oh, well, maybe I should be thinking about this a little bit more. Having previously thought, there's no way I'd ever be able to do anything like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the opportunity really came about a month later because um, 
we'll probably talk about Phil um, Rush, who you've also had on the podcast before. So Phil is the um, legend ultramarathon swimmer who now prepares people to swim Cook Strait and support them on their crossings. But during the summers, when the tides aren't right for Cook Strait, he'll help people get across Lake Topor. And, and usually his book is completely full of international swimmers. Um, you know, the Cook Strait mm. crossing in particular, it's so famous now. He has people coming from all over the world as part of this Ocean 7. There are seven major um, <clears throat> uh, marathon swims. Um, but of course, this year, New Zealand's borders have been closed all year. Um, we still have closed borders. So um, it's not great for Phil's business, but it does mean that he's had a lot more time for New Zealand swimmers wanting to do things. So we did vaguely talk about it last year, but it was um, sort of coming out of the winter when I realized that we were <laughs> going to be going anywhere overseas anytime soon, that <laughs> um, I said to him, I was pre pretty keen to give it a go. Um, but I was, uh, wife and I did, um, uh, did a big triathlon camp in the second half of last year. So I was actually spent the whole of the second half of last year cycling, actually trying to get my cycling back up to snuff. So I didn't have very much time to, to train for swimming. So I didn't really get stuck into it until the Christmas holidays, to be honest, when we were down, down south mm -hmm. in Lake Monica. Um, and even that was a bit sporadic. So I'd say I probably did a, I mean, I did a two, two month block of really focused and intense training, um, but coming off the back of a lot of endurance work, but not massive swimming volumes really. Hmm. And, uh, and how'd you find you held up during the, the swim? So the, the swim took you, uh, 14 hours roughly and yep. 40 K swim. And, um, did you, so two months of swimming, people might think, well, that's, that's not a huge block of, of swimming, but obviously you had that, that base there. Um, and you, you've, you've continued to swim for, you know, for a long time, haven't you? Like you've got, um, you've got a lot of years behind you, uh, yeah. you know, as a, as a swimmer, as an athlete. Um, and so how did you go with that, that two month preparation? Do you feel like you could have done with more? Or it was it obviously got you through it. Um, what was that like for you during the, yeah, the well, I, when we got back from Christmas holidays, I had a sit down with Phil and I said, what do I, what do I need to do in order to be ready for this? Um, and he said, it's easy. I just want you to do three fifty K weeks, at which point I sort of you know, <laughs> thought that's, that's, that's great. That's, uh, <laughs> He's direct, isn't he? Yeah. yeah. It's like, that's it's a great. lot. <laughs> um, and I thought that's insane. I mean, that's like training for an Ironman volume just swimming because um, if you think about it three k's yeah. an hour doing 50 k's that's 17 hours swimming a week plus getting to wherever you're going and coming back i mean that's like a job um but i mean you know what it's like doing iron man you just need to be super organized you need to look at your calendar you need to try and work out how to synchronize things um uh you know sort of reduce the number of trips to go swimming so if you're doing squad you need to try and back up and then do another hour afterwards to try and double the distance that you're doing or something like that um did some massive massive swims at the weekend to to really try and put, put the volume up and i mean the thing psychologically that made it for me was when we got to the end of that first week doing 50k and i actually didn't feel that bad you know my arms hadn't fallen off and i was still managing to keep going i was still managing to swim sort of well rather than just sort of grovel through it um and then i had a rest day and then rolled into the next week and that week went well and then suddenly thought oh, i've only got one more week like this to go um rolled into the third week and by the end of it i was starting to feel much more confident about m my ability to do that 
Um, and in interestingly, I'm just looking at the volumes. Uh, the week I did the Topor swim, which is 40K, as you've said, I only actually did 9K in the week coming up to it, just sort of trying to stay sharp. So I actually did a lower volume that week than I had done in all these sort of big build-up weeks. And I, I do wonder a little bit of it, well, I mean, it feels quite sort of hard taskmaster, but some of it was psychological. I think he was trying to give me a challenge that I found a bit intimidating, put me in a position where I could be successful with that. And then, you know, it actually helps you recalibrate what doing something like a 40K swim is like. Because, I mean, I think people need to understand it's nowhere near as difficult doing something like that than it is doing one of these big open water swims, because um, obviously it's a lake. So although there are a couple of areas where there are currents due to streams coming in and rivers coming out of it, they're not that strong. Whereas, you know, when you do one of the big ocean crossings like Cook Strait or Furbo Strait or something like that, there are points where you're battling against incredibly strong currents and tides. And in some cases, people never quite finish because they can't swim fast enough to get over the tides. Um, but that's, that's really not the case here. I mean, as long as Vicky did say to me, she said, oh, as long as you can keep moving, you'll get there. You know, it might take a while. But it doesn't really <laughs> yeah, true. Slow down. Yeah. You've just got to keep on battling. <laughs> yeah. It always reminds me of that, uh, the swimmer that Phil had doing the cook, straight and i can't remember how long he was battling against the current but it was just um it was for a very long time and then he ended up like missing the last like a rock or yeah, bit of yeah. land yeah. Um, and just got swept past it and then because the current's so strong you're done you can't yeah. get back in um, yeah. you missed it by like 10 meters or something yeah. crazy so um that, i guess that's a good thing about the the lake swim but that said it's uh, it's certainly not an easy uh thing to do but um, amazing that you're able to, to do it. And in such a you know, short space of times in terms of a training block, it's, um, it's quite impressive. And how did your shoulders hold up? And um, what did you do for um, like recovery and that sort of thing? Or was it just you felt good for that, that three, four weeks leading into yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, I, I think when you were talking to Vicky, you talked about your first 10K when you were going into your Rottnest swim and how you were really wrecked after that. And then, you know, by the time you've done a few more, you sort of get used to it. And it was very like yeah. that, you know, the, the first 10K swim I did, I thought, oh God, I mean, you know, this is, <laughs> this is horrendous and I've only done a quarter. How am I going to get used <laughs> to it? But it, it's amazing how quickly your body adapts. Um, yeah. and, and I suppose, you know, endurance space is pretty big. You know, I did six years doing Ironman quite seriously and you get very, very used to tolerating extremely high volumes of this very low level of effort or certainly low level of effort at my level of performance. Um, so, I mean, I did, I did have problems, well, not problems, but I did, you know, my upper back got very, very tight. Um, uh, I mean, I've always been quite obsessive about regular massage and I mean, I try to stretch not that well. Um, but, but it was particularly just building the volumes up quite gradually. So I sort of went from doing, um, sort of 20 K a week, 25, 30, 35. Um, and I think I didn't have a rest week until I'd got up to 40. Then I had one week off and then I had the three weeks at, at 50. Um, and there was one week where I'd got incredibly uncomfortable and I took, um, anti-inflammatories to cope with this. And, uh, I was talking to Phil and I said, Oh, you know, how am I going to cope? 
you know, we're doing something that's so much longer. And he said, well, the first thing we're going to do is we're going to stop taking anti-inflammatories when we're training. Uh, we want to punish the body now and we can worry about pain relief when we're doing the swim. So again, that was, I, I mean, partly physical, but I think it was partly mental that, um, you know, to have done all that volume without taking any ibuprofen or anything like that. And to know that even if when you get in, you feel incredibly tight and stiff after about 20 minutes, half an hour, you do amazingly loosen up and you can swim properly. You're mm. not swimming sort of lopsided or anything um, but again to, to know that it does mean that when you're actually doing the swim and things start hurting and niggling and stuff like that you know that you can swim through it so long as you don't over uh, over overwork things and what about during the swim so um, 14 hours is a very long time to be you in the water and I know you've got the support crew there um, with feeding and everything but what was it like in your head across that 14 hours what was it uh, what were your thoughts as you were progressing through the swim yeah i mean and we did talk about this a lot beforehand i mean i've got quite a busy head as well so i, I think phil was worried that, that that would be the thing that would catch me out um, more than the the physical side of it so i'd spent a lot of time practicing stuff um uh, last year i did a hilarious swim in the lower south island which goes from a little township called tianao which is quite near um Milford Sound, the famous um, sort of tourist area. And you swim across a lake for about an hour and then you swim down a river. So it's 24K down a river at about 12 kilometers an hour. So it's the fastest, uh, it's the fastest 24K you'll ever do. And then you pop out at the end of the river and you think, sweet, we're there. Um, and I think it's about another 12K from the mouth of the river to the next township. So that, that 12K, which took more than four hours, I was already starting to deal with these demons of, you know, what do you do? You know, just, and I started retracing routes in my head. I found, um, I was pre pretending I was driving from where I live in Wellington up to Topol because, uh, you know, it's a route we do quite a lot <laughs> and, and, and you're just trying to step your way through it. And um, I found that worked really well. And then I, w I was talking to Phil about this and he said, oh, that's interesting. When I did my ultramarathon swimming, when I was uh, competitive, um, I used to retrace my dustbin route. So Phil used to be a dustbin collector in Dunedin in, in, and he had this route that he did, which took about three hours. So he'd retrace it <laughs> in step and each, each dustbin along the way. Uh, and he said, but the trouble is it only takes three hours. So if you're doing a 14 hour swim, you need a lot of other things to think about. So, um, one of the, you'd like this actually. So one of the things I, I did getting ready for this Topor swim, I was trying to think of other things I could replay in my mind to give me something to focus on and take my mind off sort of wandering thoughts. So I, used, uh, I thought about places I used to go running um, regularly where I knew the route. Um, and when I was a student in the UK, I had a couple of long runs that I used to do uh, from um, university and I went to Google Maps and got down onto Street View and I retraced them uh, about two weeks before I did the swim so I'd actually re-visualized everything and I'd forgotten quite a lot of the detail but on the day it was marvelous because it was all it was all still there it's incredible 30 years on you know it all comes flooding back um, and that that kept me going for hours and hours and hours but um, Coach Brenton, you'll be very pleased to know that the other thing I spent quite a lot of time thinking about was my swimming. I was thinking quite a lot about <laughs> my catch. I was thinking about not shutting the door at the back and uh, closing past my hips and everything. Um, yeah, so I did, I did think about technique quite a lot. Um, and I was sort of thinking about things coaches had said to me um, 
in the past. Particularly, we, we had one moment where, I mean, it was a perfect day, really, very, very flat conditions. But um, you start very early in the morning because it's such a long day, and generally the wind gets up in the afternoon. So normally Phil will start people at sort of three, four o'clock in the morning. We And it's a bit of a trade-off between starting early enough that you finish early and starting so early that you get really cold because of course you know before mm. the sun gets up it's that much colder so we started at 4 30 because it was quite a cold night um and we were swimming along and it was all going quite well forecast had been brilliant um no wind sun came up and then this amazing chop built up and i thought oh god what's going on here this is going to be pretty grim if it's like this for the next 10 hours um, and it was uh, it was the morning breeze, so this was the sun warming the side the the land on the side of the lake, and you get this sort of offshore breeze. But it was just enough to break the water up, and so that really really forced me to concentrate on technique, just to try and stay, you know, um, like a broom handle, uh, really concentrate on my catch and everything. And it's incredible how long you can concentrate on your stroke because yeah. you've you've always got another stroke to do. Um, <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's uh, that's really interesting. And um, were there any points through the race where you, or through the race, through the swim, where you where you felt like you may not be able to do it, or were you feeling pretty positive the whole way through? Because I remember with rotness, and I was starting to get hypothermia, so I think that was the main cause of me just really starting to, you know, hurt through it. Um, but I was just like, I've got, I had about, I don't know, five six k's to go, and I was just like, I wanted to get out, and I had to tell myself that I was so lucky to be here and just like you know, convince myself uh, that, that I was fortunate to be, to be doing this thing as much as I was hating it. So what were you like throughout the, the swim in terms of your positivity or um, dark thoughts? Where were you with, with that? No, pretty, pretty positive, Brent. I think, um, uh, I mean, I'm a very big believer in surrounding yourself with people who want you to be successful. So I've spent the whole time building up, you know, I've got great people around me. We've got a great community in Wellington of people. Um, so I hadn't really had any negative people in my head bit building up into it. And you know, what we were talking about earlier of Phil sort of making me do some preparation, which convinced me that I could do it physically. Um, and, and, it, and it is an easy swim, right? It's not that, you know, awful things happened. I mean, th th there, were, there were two moments where I almost lost my balance. So one of them was this moment where it got very choppy just after dawn, and I, I hadn't anticipated that. And it sort of just caught me by surprise a bit. Um, and I think if that had gone on for another sort of six or seven hours, I think I would have found that quite hard. And there was another moment when um, you, uh, you're about 30, 35k into the swim and there's a point uh, it's really the first feature that you've seen for about 15 kilometers and there's actually quite a strong current coming off the point which i remember from last year when i was crewing for these friends but i'd completely forgotten about it and we were swimming along and i'd done all the maths in my head of how long it was going to take to get there and nothing was happening um and uh, i was sort of thinking oh, what's going on and uh, at one of the feeding stops i said you know I'm behind what's sort of my technique gone wrong and Phil said no no this is the current you just gotta just gotta, <laughs> gotta swim through it and then you'll be fine <laughs> when you get on the other side of it and again I think it was just the fact I hadn't anticipated that so I'd almost got a little bit rose tinted in the way I thought my way through the swim um, but in terms of the discomfort and the fatigue and you know sort of 
the demons in your head and everything. I mean, I think I prepared quite well for that. So, I, I mean, there really wasn't any point where I thought I wasn't going to manage to do it. Um, and, I, and I suppose, again, that's not unlike my Ironman races. You know, I mean, I never did particularly well, but I was never really thinking I wasn't going to finish. It was more a question of how, how good a job I'd make of it. Mm. Yeah, yeah, that's interesting. Well, that's um, that's really good to hear. And you're very, um, you know, when you talk about it, you make it sound like it's this thing you just did on the the weekend, and it's uh, you know, it, it less of a a deal than I think it it really is. But um, you know, I think that's all part of your personality and your character. And because um, I remember, well, and you'll remember this too, obviously, is the uh, the frog challenge that we did. Oh, swim run, <laughs> yeah, the swim run. So this was. I'm going to get my dates wrong here, but I'm going to say like two thousand and. 16 maybe um yeah possibly 2000 yeah probably 2016 um and yeah so we did this this swim run race down uh i think it was rosebud it started from down in the mornington peninsula and um it just it's it it took all day long and it was ended up being like 30 something k of running and nearly 10k of well wading through the water and a little bit of swimming because it was pretty low tide i think um but um yeah just chipped away at it and yeah eventually eventually got there in the end and um yeah just always um had a really positive about about the the race and and all of it and so yeah just get on with the job and and go about it so uh, i can see how that can translate to to the the lake swim so yeah that, that i remember that that race as well where I had to catch a flight to Perth. Um, <laughs> and so we came in, we finished and I had to get changed in five minutes and then head to the airport. And I think I made my flight by about five minutes as well. So we timed it perfectly. We couldn't have done any better. <laughs> we were pioneers, Brendan. That was the, that was the first swim run event in the Southern hemisphere. Cause it's like quite mainstream was it really? now and there's Brecker and all that wow. stuff. But I, I remember I yeah. posted something on Facebook about swim run cause I just found out about it in, you know, all these people in Northern Europe and everything. And, the, and I, I say, this sounds awesome, but there's nothing happening. And you posted back to me and said, oh no, this is an event organizer in Melbourne organizing something. And so I wrote back to you and I said, great, what are you doing on December the 14th? <laughs> <laughs> I put my foot in it. <laughs> Let's go. <laughs> yeah, that was a lot of fun, but it was a long way, wasn't it? But uh, yeah, you gotta... I did another swim run race actually, um, oh, it was about three years ago in Norway um, called Rockman. Um, and uh, it was just so physically hard. Like, you know, because must be the way Norwegians think about things but I mean the running was just impossible I mean you just couldn't run unless you're Superman so we had this moment where we were running along and it's like okay well that's an Ironman finished and we've still got another three hours to go so you just keep on trucking through it yeah it's just it's just the approach but you listen to some of these ultra distance swimmers and you know what I did is absolutely nothing so um you know, in the interview he did with you, Phil Rush talks about doing these two and three way crossings of the English Channel. Um, and he talks about them being laps. So you do yeah. one, <laughs> one lap or two laps or whatever. But like, was it last year or the year before where this incredible woman, Sarah Thomas, did a four way crossing of the English Channel? And I think she was swimming for something like 60 hours. I mean, that makes Yeah, I think I'm, that's right. Yeah. Completely nothing. <laughs> <laughs> so it's just about how you approach these things yeah that's right it's all about perspective isn't it so uh but well it's um oh, congratulations on on the swim it's uh i think it's a huge achievement and um i'm sure you're proud of what you've done and just add it to the the list of 
uh, crazy events that you've you've done. And um, I don't uh, I don't want to ask what's next because it's probably going to just continue to um, you know progressively get harder and more challenging and um, and more out there. But um, is it, you were talking to um, Phil the other day. Um, and we just were talking about this before the call was um, talking about what it's going to be like after the swim. And I think this is, this happens with any sort of long distance event or something that you train for, for a long time uh, is you're going to have this big high and then you're going to have um, the, sorry, know, um, Brent, I just lost my Wi-Fi there. I got, I got oh, sorry, um, you right. talking to Phil. I got you yeah, were talking uh, to Phil the other day and then I'm afraid oh, I disappeared. <laughs> no, that's right. Um, so when you were talking to Phil um, the other day about what's going to happen after the swim, so you've got this big high. Um, yep. After the swim, everyone wants to, to talk to you about it. And, um, and then afterwards, it's going to be this sort of quiet period. And uh, can you talk a little bit about what Phil was mentioning to you and um, what you're sort of expecting uh, in the next few weeks. As yeah, yeah. Well, so I said to him, you know, how do you recover and everything? Because I was thinking the whole physical recovery is probably quite hard. Um, and he said, no, you'll be fine, actually. And, um, and, and he was right. I mean, the day after the swim, I was incredibly stiff, particularly in my um, upper back and um, uh, arms. But actually, within a day or two, I was, I was okay. And I just about managed to swim with a little bit of discomfort. Um, and then sort of late last week, um, I started getting incredibly tired uh, and it's almost like the new body breathing this big sigh of relief. But Phil said to me, so you'll get through that and then your body will come right and you'll feel right as rain and then you'll crash mentally. And what's going on is that um, you get loads of stimulus and feedback from everyone because everybody's very excited by this and they want to know what you've done and everyone's telling you um, positive things. And then that passes and then you sort of drop into this sort of black hole of <laughs> sort of no feedback. So you need to be ready for that. You need to make sure you've got stuff to um, sort of stimulate you and, 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 and keep you pushing forward. So that hasn't happened to me yet. I mean, I suppose that's a bit like they talk about the sort of post Iron Man depression syndrome, don't they? That, you know, people have had this incredible run into Iron Man and it just occupies every waking minute. And then you have this huge stimulation of, of doing the event and after the event. And then there's sort of, you know, nothing. And you need to, you need to replace it with something constructive. Um, mm. Yeah, so I'm, 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 I suppose having done lots of things like that before, I'm sort of ready, ready for that. Keep, keep busy. Keep being, yeah. Keep, <laughs> yeah and i think i mean are you swimming with a squad as well over there or a, a yeah this is like the or? effortless swimming podcast greatest hits my interview brenton because uh, <laughs> you know we've, we've talked about vicky and we've talked about phil um people really should listen to phil's interview actually if they want an idea of what ultra marathon mm. swimming is all about you know this this man um, when I wrote my race report, I got some of his records wrong by 10 years. So Phil, um, he's I've still in the right home. direction. <laughs> but, uh, um, Make it's, him sound younger than he is. <laughs> um, no, no, it's the opposite. So Phil still holds the two and three way speed records for swimming the English channel. And he's yeah. hold, held, held those records. I wrote 30, 24 years. It's 34 years. Those records have stood for, um, how old are you, Brenton? Uh, uh, 33. So. so there you go. So <laughs> Phil, Phil broke those records a year before you were born and no one's got even close um, to, to them. So, so Phil has a squad of swimmers um, in Wellington. We train on a Sunday morning um, and uh, 
you know, you talked to Vicky about the number of people who've done this topor uh, swim. I think she said it was under a hundred. It's actually 60 people have done it now with me. Um, so, <laughs> so it's quite an unusual thing to have done. Uh, but I worked out that 10 of the 60 people who swum this swim swim with my squad. So it's, <laughs> a, it's a very distorted perspective of what's normal in the world. Yeah, so, so Phil has this sort of rather unique squad. Um, and then during the week, I swim with Gary Hurring. So he's another one of your effortless swimming whānau, um, who you've had on twice, actually, uh, when I was looking yeah. it all up. So, um, yeah, so Gary, ex-Olympian. Uh, so Gary was the, uh, the national high-performance coach uh, for Swimming New Zealand, um, and he went to the Los Angeles Olympics himself. So he's a super competitive pool swimmer. Um, and uh, he's, he's been great, actually, because, I mean, I think he'd be the first to say he's not an open water swimming guy. That's, that's Phil's gig. Um, but that's the squad. And so, I mean, we didn't really adapt anything I was doing, but he and the team have been very supportive at helping me sort of integrate the squad swimming with, um, with all the training I was doing around that. Um, and I actually found training with the squad was really helpful. Um, I think when I was talking to Phil about getting ready, I'd, I'd sort of assumed that you just need to spend hours and hours and hours swimming in the harbour on your own. Um, and he said, no, 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 it's completely the opposite. I want you swimming in a pool. I want you swimming with the pace clock. I want you on times the whole time. Hmm. Because people who swim open water all the time, they get really lethargic and they just drop into this sort of zombie zone. Um, and the art of marathon swimming is about maintaining pace. And if you listen to the interview with Phil that you did, he talks, it's exactly the same language he talks about maintaining pace and for him I think it was very important because when you're doing these crossings you need to be able to swim ahead of the tide so you've got to get over mm. in however long it takes for the tide to turn otherwise suddenly you discover that you're fighting it before you've got to the other side um, so being able to start quickly and then keep it keep on going and actually squad swimming is really great for swimming quickly because you know you've got other people and you've got a coach barking at you and you've got goal times and you've got you know, stuff like that so I mean e even though it sounds very non-specific for doing something like that that was actually quite an important part of my of my build-up I'd say that swimming with the squads mm. yeah and it's such a it's such a good little swimming community there in, in Wellington and I think having that um, that squad and that support there afterwards as well uh, makes that transition to post race so much easier to to do. And uh, yeah, it's uh, it's because uh, you came to Hell Week. Was it the very first one? I was trying to think. I did the first two. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah, fifteen and sixteen. I think it was. Um, yeah. And and since then, we've had such a big contingent of Wellington swimmers come and do camps um of all sorts and um and developing a relationship with phil and with with gary's been fantastic so um got a yeah got a soft spot in my um heart for for wellington and um yeah just really um just just love the, the group over there so it's a um, fantastic group to be a part of yeah they've all said they're looking forward to you organizing some more camps in tanyapura and uh, noosa and hawaii so gary was saying this morning tell brenton he needs to get his finger out and organize the yeah. open borders for us <laughs> yeah. small, small, small problem is <laughs> it's a real difficulty getting back into new zealand when you've been overseas but um it's it's good here at the minute <laughs> yeah same thing i'm hoping they open this uh, trans yeah uh, trans tassie Bible, border yeah. Um, which yeah. would be great. So yeah, I was, I was planning to run a Noosa camp um, in May, but I'm just like, Oh, I don't know. Like, I don't know if it's going to be open and um, I, I, I don't really want to run it without the New Zealand 
border being opened because um, I think we'll have a big contingent of, of Kiwis coming over and I'd like um, yeah, Gary to come over and coach and that sort of thing too. So wait and see yeah. what happens, but um, I'll send my letter to my local MP and that will get tossed in the bin, um, but I'll feel like I've done my part at the very least. So um, thanks so much for coming on the podcast, John. It's been great having you on. And um, yeah, congratulations. It's, it's awesome to hear that you, you did the swim. I didn't know you were training for it. Uh, so when I saw that you posted, I think two days before it, this is, this is how you can track me for the swim. It's like, awesome, let's go. Let's, <laughs> let's, uh, let's watch you do it. So yeah, congratulations. Oh, brilliant. Cheers, Brent. Nice to see you again. Thanks for listening to the Effortless Swimming Podcast. If you'd like us to help you become a faster, more efficient swimmer, go to www.effortlessswimming.com.